Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in High Fidelity. Welcome to the Along Came a Writer Network. Opinions expressed in our shows do not necessarily reflect those of the network. It's that time again, Geek Block heads. Put on your Wonder Woman underoos and settle in for the Geek Block. I'm your host, Carla Hoke. And yes, I totally had Wonder Woman underoos. If you don't know what those are, you're not an 80s kid. But let me tell you, they're life-changing underwear. That's all I can say. Everybody should have some. Life-changing. My guest today warrants a new design for underoos because the heroine of her latest work doesn't have bullet deflecting bracelets. She doesn't have a lasso of truth, but she does save a ton of money on pedicures. My guest today is Catherine Jones-Payne. How are you today, Catherine? I'm doing well. How about you, Carla? Very well. First of all, how can folks find you on social media? Absolutely. So um, I'm on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Um, my Facebook and the the addresses for those are all different because uh, different things on each of those platforms were taken. Um, so on Facebook, I'm at Catherine Jones Payne Author. At Twitter, I'm at C Jones Payne. Um, and at Instagram, just Catherine Jones. That one's that one's wow. the easy one. You're really good at you're good at social media. You must enjoy it. To be as good as you are at it, you must have must get some enjoyment out of it. Oh well thank you. Um I think Facebook um definitely is the most intuitive to me um of of those platforms. I, I think I definitely enjoy that one the most. Um, Instagram's been the new learning curve, but um, but yeah, I've been having some fun with that one too. Okay, I have to ask you, and just I have just a little bit of time to do it. All right, I have a ton of stuff to ask. Okay, first of all, you know what? I have to stop. I would like to tell everybody that Catherine is in the People's Holy Republic of Texas. So this is going to be there may be a vortex of awesomeness that happens during this because we are both in Texas. You know, let's just, you know, pause for the hour. I have to confess that I'm not, I'm not a Texas native. I've only lived here for about three years. So I don't know that I can quite match your level of awesomeness there. Well, that's okay. That's, hey, we will take you. All right. Tell us about your book, Breakwater. Well, wait, wait, before that, tell us, wait, tell us why your main character, Jade, would save a ton of money on pedicures. Just like I said in the beginning, why would she save a ton of money on pedicures? Absolutely. So Jade would save a ton of money on pedicures because she is a mermaid. Now, yes. mermaids actually actually can get pedicures, um, but the only well, pedicures that they can get are those fish pedicures. Um, yes. You know, like you can get in some other countries. Um, sure. And you just, you don't have to pay the fish as much as you would have to pay someone actually doing exactly. their nails. Exactly. All right. So tell us about breakwater. Absolutely. So uh, Breakwater is a young adult fantasy novel, um, obviously about mermaids, um, and it's set in an underwater city called Thessalonica um, and follows Jade as, um, as she undergoes this um, really sort of devastating, life-changing experience at the beginning of the book. At the end of the first chapter, she discovers that her fiancé has actually killed someone. Um, and and not just anyone, but a naiad, a, a member of another species that lives in Thessalonica that isn't always treated well by by the mer people who control the city. Um, so during the course of the book, she has to figure out how to navigate um, doing the right thing, 
part and you with me did i lose you people. sorry say repeat what you just said i think you just broke up a little bit oh i was sorry about that um so i was saying that during the course of the book she has to navigate doing what's right versus following her heart um figuring out how to um negotiate her position as the daughter of a, a pretty powerful woman, um, but also she's having this budding friendship with one of these nighthubs. Um, so it's, uh, so there, there are a lot of decisions she has to make in the course of the book around those things. Well, I got a little bit of a sneak peek. And listeners, I do want to apologize. We're having a little tropical storm kind of eking its way through the Gulf Coast. So if Catherine breaks up a little bit, I will try to get her to repeat herself. And I apologize in advance. I got a little sneak peek of this book ahead of time. And when I started reading it, I thought, oh, my gosh, mermaids, this is why is why is why aren't people doing this? Who this is fantastic because it is as much a fantastic, wonderful creature as any fairy or elf, and it's just one that people have forgotten about. I thought this is absolutely brilliant. Now I pride myself in not asking the exact same questions as everybody else, but I'm going to have to ask the same questions everybody else. What gave you the idea for mermaids? Oh, well, I've always really loved mermaids. And, um, you know, my, my mom loves the ocean um, more than I think anyone I've ever met. And um, so I Aww. grew up going to the ocean a lot. And, you know, I love, I love dolphins. I love rays. Um, I love seahorses. And what could be more fascinating than, you know, the type of person who gets to live under the waves um, and, you know, ride the currents and, and interact with all of these creatures. So um, I've always, always really loved mermaids. And it's also seemed recently like we're, we're seeing a lot more mermaids in pop culture. It's starting to filter yeah. out into novels. And um, there's going to be some movies coming out in a few years. But just if you go into any, you know, sort of teenager store, like Claire's mm -hmm. or Justice, you know, there's mermaid stuff just everywhere. So it seemed like something that would really resonate with people. Um, that people might really enjoy to read um, and just, you know, like a like a really fun challenge to to write in a right. world that's so different from from the world we experience every day. Well, as a fan of mermaids, you got to tell me, did you see the Animal Planet documentary Mermaid the Body Found? People keep telling me about this. Is this the oh one my where, gosh. Like, some strange creature like puts a hand up on a submarine window or something. I'm telling you, I believed it. I, they had me <laughs> hook, well, no pun intended, but hook, line and sinker. And my husband walked through, he goes, you don't believe this. I said, look, they have found a skeleton. He said, you are crazy. But I'm telling you, it's, <laughs> well, for, for, you know, a lot, of the, a lot of the ocean is undiscovered. They're, they're finding Thank new species you. every day. So you can't say anything definitively. Oh my gosh, I'm telling you, if if you have time ever, <laughs> watch that documentary because, you know, they really sold it. I mean, they were really, uh -huh. they were really selling it hard and it was very believable uh -huh. again. But, you know, it, again, my husband walked through, he goes, I, I can't believe you're actually believing this. I'm like, it, it couldn't <laughs> be on TV if it wasn't true. So, all right. Are no, there really, more plans for break? Do you have more plan for the story of Breakwater or was this the a one and done? Absolutely. So it's a four book series. Um, and in between each book, I'm planning to um, 
to publish a short story that's in the same world. Um, Super smart. The plan is for the first short story um, to, and that's just going to be an online only release that's going to be absolutely free for everyone. And that's going to be out in September or October. And then mm-hmm. hopefully the full-on sequel to Breakwater will be out this February. We're, we're crossing fingers for that. Okay. Do you come up with these ideas on your own? Like, well, you know, in the meantime, let's put out a short story. Is it just intuitive for you? Or do you have somebody that's kind of guiding you through this? It's kind of your job um, you in know, a whole I, lot of ways. I do, right. I do a lot of online research because I'm also an editor um, and I work with a lot of independently publishing writers. And um, so I, a lot of the time, I am the person doing some of the guiding and some of the handholding through this process. And um, mm-hmm. the reason I'm releasing the short stories is actually, you know, because I write and I run an editing company and I, I'm an acquisitions editor for a magazine. Um, I'm the editor for Splickety Magazine. And so Mm -hmm. um, I just don't have time to follow the conventional indie publishing advice of releasing four books a year. Oh, Um, you know, that would, it just hurts. That would just be, um, (laughs) it it would just kill my schedule. I would, I would never see or see anyone. And I'm an introvert. So not seeing anyone might be all right, but I really value my sleep. Exactly. Um, So in order to um, kind of be constantly producing something and, you know, making sure that I am giving my readers something of value um, sort of on a, on a really consistent production schedule, I decided that a, that a short story was the best compromise between trying to run myself ragged on a, on a book production right. schedule and, and publishing frequently. Well, it's brilliant. And it being free even adds to the brilliance of it because you're getting people in, no risk. And they, that's, not that's only the do hope, they get yeah. tr- yeah, not only do they get introduced to the character in the story, they get introduced to your writing, your style of writing. And that is very smart, young lady. Pretty darn smart. Okay, who did your cover? Oh, so my cover was done by the absolutely fabulous Kirk DuPont. Well, um, there you I've go. Been, I've been an admirer of his work for years now. Um, he's I'm an admirer of him. Brilliant. I'm just an admirer Absolutely. of him. What a nice guy. He, he's a sweetheart. Um, yeah. And yeah, I, um, so I was thrilled when, um, when I got him to, in line to do the cover. You know, he's going to work with me on the covers for all of the books. It's, br- and it's the beautiful. Stories. And, uh, and yeah, I think he did a great job. I'm, I'm really proud of that cover art. How much did the two of you collaborate on it? Um, he actually did most of it. Um, so uh-huh. even before I could give him the, you know, sort of all of the information about the book that he wanted right. and, you know, some of the scenes out of it and everything, his mind was really working on it. And he, um, he sort of had this concept in his head and sent me a message and said, you know, does, does Jade, the main character, does she have like a, an ocean pet or anything like that? And I mm-hmm. said, well, she rides a dolphin in the very first scene of the book. And uh, right. and we talked a little bit about the setting and the city and that sort of thing, things that you can see in the backdrop of the cover. The colors are said, beautiful. Okay, I'm, I'm doing a sketch. And uh, yeah. so he sent me a couple sketches. I picked the one that I liked more just from a pencil sketch. And then, you know, a few weeks later, he sent it to me in all of its full cover glory and 
I just requested, <clears throat> sorry about that. Um, I just requested a couple changes, but they were really minor. Um, you know, most well, of it really fantastic. was his brilliance at work. It, it, it absolutely, brilliance. That, I said, it's fantastic. And brilliance is a good word. He's just a very creative guy. And folks, if you're, if you're listening to this and you're publishing, if you're thinking about indie publishing, please, please hand off your cover to a professional like Kirk. It is absolutely worth it because your book, Catherine, if you're walking through a store, it's going to grab attention. It's, I mean, everything exactly. about it, the color. And you know what? I'm, I can't believe I'm actually saying this out loud on the show. I'm not a fan of faces on covers because I personally like to imagine the face, but I liked this one. I liked it because mm -hmm. the face wasn't the focal point. It was the world and the fin and everything. It was beautiful. So exactly. I even approve of your face. So well done. <laughs> you know, your short stories. I meant so to that's ask a great this. Out of How long? Quote. That is. Um, how long are your short stories? Um, so right now, the, I actually don't have it fully drafted, and um, so you know, with the editing process and everything, there's right. there's going to be room to to change that up. Right. But right now, the plan is is somewhere between like ten and fifteen thousand words. Oh wow! Um, so long okay, enough good. to get a to get a pretty good arc, but not quite right. long enough to be like a full novella. I was about to say, isn't that about a novella? What technically word count is a novella? Oh, I think is I'm going to and, and get in trouble. But yeah, I think I think at 20,000, you're really flirting with novella territory. Right. At 25,000 words, it's definitely a novella. I'm going up to maybe about 49 to 55,000 words. Okay. Okay. You mentioned uh, that you were an editor, and I'm going to talk about that in a minute, but I wanted to really push you as an author because I think that's awesome, and it is a step away from what you're normally doing, so I wanted to cover that first. We are going to get to you as an editor. As an author, who edits an editor's book? I have always, Lots when you people. are an editor, do they? I mean, I just wonder if you inherently correct yourself as you go. Or are you like every other regular person and you write the word N-O in place of K-N-O-W? I do that all the time, Catherine. It's scary. I, I am like every other person. Um, so I, uh, I always, um, you know, when, when I am an editor, I encourage people to take their books through a really, um, really detailed editing process involving yes. at least three or four editors. And right. I did absolutely the same thing with my books. You know, I don't push anyone towards anything that that I don't think they really need. And I don't think that just because I'm an editor, that's going to make me better able to catch my own mistakes. I'm pretty good at catching other people's, but we can't right. see blind spots in our own work. No, we yeah. don't. We can't. You're so, right. So I actually had, I think, a total of like six or eight editors on the project. And um, Ben Wolf was my developmental editor. He did a great job, um, fabulous to work with. I always highly recommend him. Um, and then uh, everyone else I, um, I worked with through my editing company. So they're people who do work for my clients. Um, so for things like line editing, copy editing, proofreading. Right. Um, and um, I actually had a, a specialist editor on this project who did a wonderful job and saved me on, of course, you, you did a great job on the fight scenes. Um, well, everyone, you. if you're writing a book and you, um, and you have fight scenes in it and you don't necessarily have 
um, the the experience of you know having having been in a lot of martial arts or or things where it would be really or been punched in the face. You exactly <laughs> what your characters would do. Um, yes. Um, then you know definitely having someone who really knows what they're doing take a look at it is a good thing. Otherwise, your characters might end up like having three hands during the fight scene because they're yeah, doing and that's normal. Once, you know what? And don't we all do. have three hands? Yes, exactly. Don't we all have three um, hands? But, you but know? if you're if you're looking for someone specifically to do that, you know, Carla did a really great job on mine. Oh, well, and thank I highly you. Her for that. And tell folks how they would get in touch with me through what company? Absolutely. So Carla does um, does a lot of work through my company, Quill Pen Editorial. Um, so you can always um, just find us online, quillpeneditorial.com, and send us a message through the contact form, and um, I can get you in touch with Carla for that editing. And you can also get in touch with Catherine for awesome editing. Tell me about the different levels of editing in at Quill Pen Editorial. Because I think, first of all, people don't understand what different – people think editing is grammar and punctuation, which it is. But that's a very specific type and of editing. that's a very so important explain, part of it. It is a very important part. It's very, but tell the different levels of editing. Absolutely. So there are about four main levels of editing um, and then a number of sort of more niche specialist editing that may or may not um, be important depending on the project. But the four main ones that I think are, are pretty important for every project are first developmental editing. Um, some people might call this substantive editing, um, that sort of thing. And that's looking at really large scale things. So that's saying, right. um, you know, does does the character development work? Um, are there any right. um, major major plot holes? Is the pacing all right? You know, does it move too fast through this scene, but too slowly through this scene? Um, does every scene work to further your vision? You're looking at it at that sort of level. Um, mm -hmm. And that's something that... Um, that I think a lot of people skip in the indie publishing process. And, um, and I think that, you know, sometimes, sometimes it works out all right, especially if someone has, has a lot of books under their belt. But, um, but a lot of the time, it's, that can end up being a really important thing, just because we can't see our own blind spots. Um, right. You know, something that, uh, that happened in my book during the editing process um, is I had in this sequence order of events thing, um, in a in a scene, I had been um, describing each of this character's actions in a in a very detailed way, just because of the nature of the scene, and right. uh, and because I had shown her um, taking her her wrap, which is basically a mermaid shirt off to go to bed, mm -hmm. but hadn't shown her putting it back on when uh, she heard a, a noise I think and went to investigate I had literally sent her out into the world topless and I had well, no idea happens. of this and uh and so my my editor kindly pointed that out so that I, right. I wouldn't have this sort of em embarrassing moment when right. know, reviewers are saying uh that's you know, a whole other plot twist error yeah <laughs> exactly so so that can be helpful for just avoiding those <clears throat> those sorts of glaring errors. Um, and then line editing is is the next step that I recommend. Line editing is where an editor will go sort of line by line through the manuscript 
and smooth things out. So at this stage, we're really looking for things like, um, do you have strong evocative verbs that are helping your sentences sing? Um, rather Ooh, than, I like that. you know, using, right. using the word was 15 times on right. a page, which does, right. does happen. In fact, it happens in right. the first drafts of almost every book. Um, Absolutely. You know, are the, are the paragraphs all the right length, you know, to, to really help the reader's eye move down the page? Um, is there, are there a glut of adverbs that are signaling, you know, again, that maybe the verbs are too weak consistently? Um, mm-hmm. do, do the, does the sentence structure work? You know, basically just does the whole thing flow in a really right. beautiful way? Um, right. And uh, so, so that can be the most time intensive part of the process. Um, but I think that it really does make a huge difference in how the book reads. Um, and then Absolutely. after that, we get to the types. After that, we get to the types of editing that most people think of when they hear the word editing. Um, so there's copy editing, which I think is what most people are thinking of when they say the word proofreading. At that stage, we're looking for mostly technical issues. Um, so, you know, are the commas in the right place? Are there any words misspelled? That sort of thing. Um, and again, you know, uh, it's uh, that can be a fairly time-intensive thing, but it right. really does make a difference to, um, you know, to the quality of a book. There's no book that right. would be absolutely typo-free. Um, you no. know, on, on a trip I was just taking, I was reading a book that was a huge bestseller about 15 years ago. And, you know, I think I caught like two hyphenation errors and a spelling error right. in it. And this was it a happens. new edition of that book. And they still hadn't yes. caught it all. And so there's always right. going to be that sort of thing. But you really can tell the difference between an independent book that was copy edited. <clears throat> excuse me. Mm-hmm. Between an it's independent true. book that was copy edited and one right. that and I do wish um, that more independent writers would have higher level professional editing, because I think sometimes that indie publishing um, gets a bad rap because you do have a few examples. You have a few people who have written a book and, and the story is great, it, but the editing is not there. And it kind of sets a tone do you know what I mean? It kind of sets a tone and, and gives Absolutely. a reputation for indie publishing. And so I think it is very important because indie publishing is legit, people. Gone are the days where you have to send a huge chunk of manuscript to some people you'll never meet in some huge city and wait six months. They get back to you and then you become a wonderful author. Those days are gone. OK, indie publishing is where it's at. And you've got to take as much care with it. And I'm so glad that you brought up the uh, using strong verbs and do you have too many adjectives? Because I think people who are born with the ability to write forget that it it is also a skill. Now, I know ability and skill technically in the thesaurus, you'll find them side by side. But in my mind, ability is what you're born with. Skill is what you make of that ability. It's the extra, you know, it's where nobody's born knowing how to write. They have the ability to create, uh, to be a storyteller, but nobody has the skill to use strong verbs. And so I'm glad you brought that up because it, it does. It's, it makes it an art form. So I highly, highly suggest if you are an indie publisher, I don't care if you say, well, I'm just going to put something out on Amazon. You know, so what? If you're going to work your tail off on that work, it deserves to be 
the best representation of you. You deserve that. And I've told people that when they're writing fight scenes. You don't learn, you don't get, uh, learn how to write fight scenes to make you a better fight scene writer. It makes you a better writer. You know, you don't want to be tight in all these areas except this one. So definitely, folks, exactly. if, you ha- if you have something coming out, send it to Quill Pen Editorial, Q-U-I-L-L-P-E-N Editorial. Now, if you've never met, oh, I'm running over time. I don't care. Are you okay on time? Do you have about 10, 15 yeah, more minutes? Are you good? Yep, okay, we're, good. We're good. I knew I would run over. It's a 30-minute show that I schedule for 45 minutes because I know who I am. I don't, I don't deny who I am. <laughs> okay. Um, if you have never met Catherine, and this is honestly my first impression of you, this was my first impression. You got up on stage and you were talking about Quill Pen Editorial, and you're young. Even if you're not young, you have the type of face that's always going to look younger than it is. So, number one, high five genetics on that one. But you are a younger person. I remember looking at you going, oh my gosh, she, that's an adult. That's what an adult is supposed to be like. <laughs> and I just, I just thought, well, I'm not even grown up yet. But you are a consummate professional. When you, sp- and folks, listen to the interview. I mean, you can tell when Catherine talks, you know, you know, she knows her stuff and she's a fantastic editor. So definitely to her and as good an editor as you are, Hey, your work is going to show it. Your work is absolutely going to show it as an editor, as an editor, before you send your work to an editor, what do you do? How do you go through your manuscript before you hand it off to somebody else? Absolutely. Well, first of all, thank you for all of those very kind things. You're such a grown-up. Um, I wish I was a grown-up. <laughs> um, so anyways, what I do before I send it to an editor. Um, so sometimes as an editor, people send me first drafts, um, oh, which my. is like you can do that, but you're not going to get your best money's no. worth out of the process. No. If you do it that way, you're going to end up paying a lot more. Um, right. So I don't think that I sent it to um, the the very first, like even pre-developmental editor thing. You know, I, I sent it to right. I sent it to one developmental editor just for a quick pass before I sent it for the big pass with Ben Wolf. I don't think right. I did that until I was like three and a half drafts in. Right. Um, right. So I wrote it. I read it over. I said, this sucks. I rewrote it. I read right. it over again. I said, this still right. sucks. I rewrote yes, it, it does. again. Because right. um, everyone's, everyone's first draft um, looks pretty bad. You know, there's, it does. It's, there's yes. going to be a ton of things that you can find yourself in fix. Um, things like inconsistency errors or right. all, all sorts of things like that, that you will realize upon reading and rereading. Um, right. After um, to um, beta readers, or a very right. early editor who focuses on sort of the ideas stage. Um, right. And, you know, you can send it out to, you know, seven to 10 beta readers. Um, right. These are people who are not, not professional readers, but they really do like reading and they're going to right. have good feedback for you. And um, it needs to be honest now, feedback. Your mom does exactly. not need to be your beta reader. Yes, your your mom can your mom can see the book whenever you think your mom can see the book, but right. for the most part, she's going to tell you, "Oh, this is wonderful. You are the best writer," yeah. and no. you are going right. to smile that's really big and beam on the inside and say, "Thanks, mom." Mm-hmm. But that's not the actual feedback that's going to help you get better. 
Right. Right. Um, so, um, so yeah, the thing when you're, when you're getting beta reader feedback is that you're going to need to realize that they're going to say different things and sometimes mm-hmm. wildly different things. Um, right. And so you can't, so this is the stage. It's going to be very good training for getting reviews back. This is mm-hmm. the stage where you realize that no one thing is going to please everybody. No, um, it shouldn't. So you, what you do is you take all of the feedback um, you process it in whatever way works best for you. And um, sometimes even just an Excel spreadsheet so you can compare everything side by side. And um, sort of right. this one said this thing about. Oh, that's a very good idea. This one said this thing. Okay. Um, and, right. You, know, you can have different columns for the different sort of categories of things they say. Um, wow. And then, um, and then after that, you're going to take a look at all of that feedback and say, okay, what are the things that really resonated with me? Um, and what are the really consistent things? Um, okay. If someone said something and you're like, oh, yes, this is clearly a way to make the book better, you know, go with right. that, make that change. If right. six people said something and you're really grouchy about it, but they all said the same thing, you're probably going to want right. to make that change. Right. Um, Absolutely. So, so using, using that sort of two-pronged criteria is going to really, um, really help you decide what beta reader feedback you're going to actually integrate into the novel, because it would be impossible right. to integrate it all, because some of them are going to say opposite things. Yes. Um, and then after after you do that, you know, do another revision, and that's the point at which I would send it out for like a full developmental edit. Oh, very good. If somebody just, first of all, do you outline? Are you an outliner or are you kind of a seat of the yes. pantser? How, how do you start? You're an outliner. Yeah, so I outline in a couple different stages. Um, you know, some mm-hmm. people write by the seat of their pants and they can do a great job of it, but I just can't finish a book if I work that Right, way. it's difficult, right. Out how to get from point A to point Z if I don't know where points, you know, C, G, and right. I are. Um, right. And so, um, so I do a pretty rough outline at first, just sort of chapter by chapter. So I more or less know Ooh. the big events that are going to happen in each right. chapter. Um, uh-huh. And that doesn't necessarily reflect how the, the chapters are going to be laid out in the final book. You know, I did a lot of um, right. sort of moving scenes around because I like to end chapters on a little bit of a cliffhanger. Um, to, yeah, I like that. You know, try to try to get that next page turned. Um, right. But more or less, then I have an event by event um, sketch of how the book is going to go down and the rough okay. section breaks for it. Um, and then, um, so even even with that sort of outline, I was really struggling to get words down on a page on the page in a timely fashion. And with your first book. It can be okay if you're working pretty slowly, but, um, you know, it's on, especially on that early stage, but you can't right. do that for your subsequent books because at that point right. you have readers, you know, and you have to mm-hmm. give readers the next book. And um, right. so as I was Which writing. Which is a blessing. Water, That's a blessing. Just so just yeah. whenever you feel pressure on that second Ab- book, just think, absolutely. hey, this is a good thing. Yeah. It's, it's a good problem to have. It um, is a great problem. But, so as I was, so as I was working through Brickwater, and, um, you know, I was, I was struggling to get words down on the page. I was maybe 15,000 words in. Right. And I sat down with this, um, 
wonderful, sweet, um, just grandfatherly writer who I admire a ton. Um, his name's Davis Bunn. He also writes under the oh, name of Thomas Locke. Yes. And, he's uh, lovely. Yes. Isn't he a sweetheart? And uh, yes. anyway, so I sat down and he troubleshot this problem for me. And he oh. told me to, um, he said that because I have the most time to write in the mornings, but right. evenings is when I'm most productive. And um, right. I should sketch out a scene in detail the evening before. And then oh. don't worry about drafting it until the next morning. So essentially what smart. that means is I will do a very detailed um, sort of list of everything that's going to happen in the two or three scenes I want to write the day before right. I actually write them. So I'm dividing oh, the work smart. of writing into um, sort of two two very different things, which makes sense because figuring out the events that are going to happen and figuring out how you're going to write the events that happen, that actually uses the brain. And uh -huh. I'm struggling to use those two parts of the brain at once. Right. Um, but I didn't have to, and I didn't realize that I didn't have to. That's so, so smart. He's so smart. Really He's such a smart man. Get, like, 500 or a thousand words written in a day right to right you know if I follow that process faithfully I can easily turn out 3,500 words in a day what? Uh, a few weeks ago I wrote 10,000 words in the space of like nine hours or something like oh that. my word um to be fair I was on an airplane for most well so, but you know, still not very that's much you awesome can do when you're on an airplane. Um, that is huge 10,000 words in a day that is huge it was, it was grueling. I would sit for nothing after it. Um, I bet. It was, um, it was something that I could then look at the process and just be, be really grateful to Davis for the time he took to sit down with me and work on that with me. Because, you know, for me, it's absolutely a process that works. And that may not be a That's process so that works for everyone. But right. what I tell people is try that process out. And if it doesn't work, then hunt tirelessly until you find your process. Um, because That's a brilliant that idea. Words on the page should be should be a struggle most days. You know, some days right. you'll just come up with dry. You'll sorry, you'll just come up dry, and you'll just right. say, "I hate this. Why do I do this? I'm going to right. throw my computer at the wall and go be a hermit in the mountains." Right. Um, unless you're unless you're an extrovert, then I guess you won't plan to be a hermit. Um, but, but those are crazy people. Uh, we don't need extroverts. You, I know. Right. Um, <laughs> but once you, once you find that process that allows you to get a lot of words written on most days, and um, that's, that's the point at, at which you'll, you'll really start to unlock some of your best creativity. Um, that's brilliant. You'll, I, I, you'll just be working with a lot more of your week. And you're not, and, and that is a creative time that's not wasted. You know, exactly. that that's very, very smart. I think it's George R.R. R. Martin that said, I have been told there are people who enjoy writing. I prefer having written. So, exactly. yeah, sometimes the process of writing, you know, if you don't write, you think it's just this very, okay, go to Tosca Lee's website and look at her home video cam. I love how she takes pictures of herself writing at two in the morning and she's rubbing her face and she's putting her head down. It, you know, like anything else that's done well, it, it's going to be tough. 
No, it's not a grinding marsh process. Okay, one more question, and then I, I guess I do have to finish this interview at some point. I'm, I hate that. Okay, what if someone just has an outline? Would you sit down with them and go over their outline? Do you think that's a worthy venture, or do you think you need to be a, bit, a little bit farther in the process? Oh, absolutely, and I've done that for a number of writers, um, including some writers that I've worked on, you know, six or seven books with. Um, sometimes um, looking at something at the outline stage um, can really be helpful for um, making sure that you're headed the right direction and cutting right. off some some really massive top to bottom rewrites. Um, right. I think that the um, the easiest way to do that um, isn't in a typical um, editorial sort of like writing out a list of suggestions um, right. sort of thing. The, the easiest uh -huh. way to do that is to send it out to, you know, the, the critique person or the editor and give them a week or two to digest it and then sit right. down on a Skype call with them. Yes. Um, because the, the I agree. difficulty with looking at an outline from an editor's perspective is that there will be a lot of questions. So, yes. you know, exactly. this event happens and then this event happens. Well, why did the second event happen? I didn't right. see this. I didn't see where this was coming from. And in okay, so, but you do books, look at outlines. Okay. For this point. Yeah, absolutely. Uh -huh. um, oh, that's so, so smart. So yeah, just, just finding someone who will, who will sit down on Skype with you so that you can hash things out back and forth. It's a big time saver, and it really helps the writer, I think, get a, get a more complete picture of what's going wow. on. Wow. You're so smart. Okay. We, we are, I got to end the interview at some point. We are running out of time folks. Okay. Wait, tell folks again where they can find Breakwater. Absolutely. So Breakwater is available through pretty much any online retailer. And um, so mm -hmm. you can find it at Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Kobo, iBooks, um, just anywhere, anywhere that sells a lot of books, they will sell Breakwater. And is it available in hard copy or is it? No, it is in hard copy. You, you, there's one in a library, isn't there? Absolutely. Yeah. And there's, there's a paperback and, and an ebook. So. Oh, wow. Okay. No matter, no and matter how, which way you prefer to read, you can read Breakwater. And how can folks find you on social media again? Absolutely. So find me on Facebook at Katherine Jones Payne Author, on Twitter at C Jones Payne and on Instagram mm -hmm. at Katherine Jones Payne. And if they want your editorial services, how can they contact you for that? Absolutely. So um, find, find us online at quillpeneditorial.com, um, you know, or if you want to contact us via Facebook, you can do that too. Um, we're on Facebook just at quillpeneditorial. All righty. Well, Catherine, it is a tradition on the Geek Block to end with rapid fire questions. Are you ready? All right. All right. The oldest, the oldest legend of mermaids comes from Australia, Syria, or Oklahoma? Uh, Syria. Yes, very good. 1000 BC. Number two, true or false? Before there were mermaids, there were mermen. Oh. What came first, really the mermaid or the merman? I think it's the mermaid. 
Uh, it's the merman, and that's from Syria. Again, the first legend. Yes, the first legend was uh, about a merman named Oanes, and his legs were underneath his tail. It's a strange kind of depiction that you can find pictures of it, so he could live on land and sea. All right, number three. What animals were commonly mistaken? For mermaids by sailors. Was it dolphins, marlins, or manatees? Manatees. Manatees. How fuse a manatee for a human? What humans are you hanging out with that you look at a manatee? Precious, adorable creature. Not human-like. Not at all. Okay, number four. In SpongeBob, who, which I love that show to this day, who is Mermaid Man's trusty assistant? Oh my gosh, please say you watch SpongeBob. SpongeBob. <gasps> I never watched I've... SpongeBob. Oh my gosh, it is hilarious. Okay, Mermaid Man sidekick is and the worst, Barnacle Boy. And the Boy. worst part is I was born in the 90s and I still never watched SpongeBob. <gasps> oh, it is so fun. It, funny, Mermaid, his sidekick is Barnacle Boy. All right, last but not Barnacle least, Boy. Barnacle Boy. And it's funny because they're elderly on the show. So it's funny. Okay. He keeps calling him boy. All right. Last but not least, this is the question I always end the show with. Worst superpower, superhuman strength only while wearing an unflattering swimsuit or the ability to stop criminals only by spraying them like a skunk. That's a tough one. Oh, those are both pretty bad. Um, I, I think the unflattering swimsuit one. Thank um, you. Because I feel like. Because I feel like that, you know, if you're if you're stopping a, a criminal, you know, at least they might deserve the skunk spray. Yeah, exactly. And it's not like people are really going to see a lot because as soon as the spray comes out, everybody's exactly. eyes are closed. So, yeah, it's a momentary flash. Big deal. Exactly. Okay. Thank you, Catherine, so much for being on the show. Will I see you at Railmakers? Thank you. Absolutely. I, I can't Yay. wait. You all should come join us at Realm Makers. We're the cool kids. Yes, are. please do. I hope, hopefully I will have somebody from Realm Makers on next month and we'll tell a little bit more about that. But thank you so much for being on the show and please come back on the show for two reasons. One, I want you to come back, just talk about ed editing. And I also want you to talk about book two. Do you have a title for book two yet? I do. And this is actually the, the first place that it's been publicly announced. So um, so the, the title for book two is going to be Cross Current. Oh, very good. I love that. Okay, folks, be sure to look for Breakwater and tune in next month for the next edition of the Geek Block. Hopefully, I'll have somebody from Railmakers on to let y'all know a little bit more about it. I'm Carla Hoke. Be sure to check out my blog at fightright, F-I-G-H-T-W-R-I-T-E dot net. And if you would like me to edit your fight scenes, you can contact me through a wonderful company called Quill Pen Editorial. That's it for us. Thank you, Catherine, so much for being on the show. Thank you. It was a delight. All right, guys. Until next month, God bless and stay weird.